All right, Merry Christmas again. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is the reminder that we celebrate this morning especially. We should be celebrating that reminder every day, but we celebrate that especially today. Now, do not panic, okay? I know I made promises about today, and I tend to keep them. I have actually preached through the book of Luke before, took uh, 96 sermons to get through the book of Luke. So it's the longest I've ever been in one book. Um, This was actually when we did it, this section of Luke was two sermons. So what I was doing this week was grabbing all of my research from that and then cutting it down. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that I am going to on the inside that I would like to go over and cover that we're not going to do it. Because believe me, I'm sitting going, I can't take that out. You have to take that out. So it's gone. We're going to hit the highlights and celebrate the main thing this morning. Sound good? All right, then let's dive in. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of of Syria. Caesar Augustus is the most powerful man on the earth. When he says jump, you don't ask how high, you just start jumping until he gives you further instructions. If he decided you want to, if he wants you dead in the morning, you know what's going to happen? You're probably going to be dead in the morning. Most powerful man on the earth serves God. Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. And this is not something that's unusual in scripture. Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus the Great. It's like when you get the great stuck after your name, you're probably kind of a big deal. All servants of God, all subservient to the king of kings. And, what, and part of the reason of this is the fullness of time of Galatians 4. Roman security, Roman roads, they were building them to expand trade. They were building them to secure the empire. God was building them to proclaim the gospel. God was building them to build his kingdom and not theirs. You'll see this again moving forward in history. Even Roman persecution. They think they're cleansing the empire of false religion. What are they doing? They're driving the disciples to the uttermost ends of the earth so that what may happen? So that the gospel will spread, so that the kingdom will grow. Everything and everyone serves the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Always remember that. Everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Why are we going to Bethlehem? It's, it's a tiny little place that nobody cares about, yes, but that means nothing in the sight of God. Micah, verse 5, or chapter 5. As for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Now you know who that is. That can only be one guy in history that has an eternal generation, and that is Christ. Therefore, this is a promise of the Messiah. Why Bethlehem if it's so small and so significant? That's precisely the point. We went over this a few weeks ago. I think we did. My days have run together. Have fun going through your Old Testament. If you need something to do during airport week because you're bored being off work, go through and find all the firstborn sons in the Old Testament and find out how many of them are important and realize that it's almost none of them. 
what the world esteems, what the world thinks is great, is not how God operates. He raises the lowly and humble in heart to serve him and build his kingdom. Psalm 147. He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He gives, na- he gives names to them all. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Same idea gets carried over in Matthew chapter 10. Do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are, but are unable to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and hell and body. I'm sorry, soul and body in hell, if I can read. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. The very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. The same God who rules the universe, who names the stars, who knows each one individually, knows you, cares about his creation, and has not left any of his details to chance. That is why Bethlehem. Because it is insignificant in the world, it is still significant in God's kingdom. You and I may be insignificant in this world, but God knows who we are. And he has numbered us and he has named us and brought us into his kingdom. And we can rejoice at that. So while they were there, verse 6, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. We don't know how long that is. It doesn't matter. It was the right time. And by the way, As promised, Matthew chapter 1. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And by the way, real quick, this is one of the things I don't have time for, but we're going to do it anyway. Don't get twisted up on the names. They're part of the attributes of God. Emmanuel, who is God with us, is Jesus, who is God who saves. They're not exclusive to one another. They're who he is and what he has done. So she wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. We try to make a big deal out of that. Wouldn't be that odd in that world. You know what's actually more significant about that? Who's that kid? I mean, now stop for a second. I mean, I know the answer is Jesus, but who is that? I mean, this is God. Come down to redeem his people. How'd they treat him? (laughs) Kind of like you'd treat a baby. Because he is. It's exactly what he is. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. That understanding is built upon who God is because when we talk about tempted in all ways as we are and yet without sin, this is part of what that looks like. Living in a world that is messy and weird and not always as clean as you would have preferred it, and yet he lives there amongst his people, as his people. No royal robes, no grand presentation here, just a child coming into the world. Now, if you'd like to find the royal presentation for Christ, you don't look at the first advent, you look at the second advent. And I'll encourage you to go look up that. We did that last week. And you can have all the fun details about that. So, verse 8. In the same region, 
there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, this is cool. We're nearby in that Bethlehem region, which means more than likely, I mean, again, you could deal with some of this. You know what most of these lambs would have been probably used for? In and around Judea. Temple sacrifice. Remember, there's a whole racket going on. There, you, there would be pilgrims every year at Passover to travel in, and you're supposed to bring a lamb. But always remember, there was always an inspection point, and if your lamb didn't pass muster, you know what could happen, right? Well, there's always one you can buy that we've already inspected, and we know passes. Where do you think they got those? So in the midst of all these sacrificial lambs, we're going to go talk to some shepherds, which again would be keeping in history. Um, what did Abraham do for a living? What did Moses do for a living? What did David do for a living? Why? Psalm 80. Oh, give ear, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Psalm 23. This one you know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isaiah 40. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. John 10. Jesus declares to the crowd, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Hebrews 13. The God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. 1 Peter 2. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. All doing what? Fulfilling Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, and to leave none astray. This is part of the picture. I've said if you want to understand your prophets, you want to understand even the fulfillment of the prophetic ministry in the New Testament, go understand the Exodus. We, you know, we, we did a little bit on that, right? Go back to the masses of the Israelites leaving Egypt. What's leading them? How? Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, and the angel of the Lord is in the midst of the camp. It's not just the pillar. And, oh, look, the pillar's moving. We got to go. The angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord again? This is who Christ is. The, it's called a Christophany. A pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. So every time you see angel of the Lord, you basically, basically should read Jesus in the Old Testament. Is leading the people. Shepherding them out of Egypt. Shepherding them through the wilderness. Bringing them into the land. Leading them as he has always led his people. Leading them as he always will lead his people. You have not been lost. You have not been forgotten. The great shepherd has left none of his so these shepherds are out, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened, which is a really good response. That's the response you're supposed to have when you are faced with the reality of God. This is Exodus, the cloud and the fire, when God comes down on Mount Sinai, the presence of the Lord, the light and the thunder and the shaking. When they dedicate the temple, what fills it? The glory of the Lord, so that what happens, the priests can't even stand to be in the temple any longer. They are driven out. Proverbs chapter 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. 
You should have a healthy fear of God. But you should have that fear rightly held. You are not to be afraid like I was of my dad when I was a kid. You are to be afraid of what your actions mean in this world. You should be afraid of how your words lead. You should understand the reverence of who God is and what your salvation has cost. No, we do not have the wrath of God upon us. But we do have discipline. And you need it. Lord knows I need it. Don't laugh at that. (laughs) I saw the smirks. I saw them. I saw them. (laughs) But in all honesty, why do you discipline children? Because you love them too much to let them continue to act like that. I love you too much to let you grow up like that. You need to know better than this. You may not love it, but you need it. I always use this as the example. Go back. Some of you this might, you know, might need to take the, brain, the, the, the fish oil pills in the morning to help you remember. But think back to high school. <laughs> the teacher you hated the most when you were there. What do you think about him now? Why did you hate him then? They made me do actual work. They expected something of me. Why do you respect them now? Because they made me do actual work, and they expected something of me. It matters. You look back and go, man, the fun teacher was great when I was 16. Now that I'm older, (laughs) I wish I had X, Y, or Z in that class instead. I wish I had learned something. This is the discipline of the Lord. This is what you should fear. Because you know what is good and right. No one, I've warned you this before, I'm going to warn you again. Nobody has ever woken up and gone, I can't believe I am knee deep in sin. I did not see this coming. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You drove through 27 roadblocks, eight detours, and then you landed there and be like, I am so surprised. Stop that. You know where you are. You know how you got there. And you know that Christ is the way back. And thanks be to God that he has provided that. Thanks be to God that he has covered all of our sin and iniquity and has presented us righteous before his father that we know the way that we are supposed to walk and that he has empowered us to do so. Who do you think put up the 27 guardrails and eight detours? That was Holy Spirit going, stop it. And you went right through that one too. Stop it. I'm warning you. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's basically God's version of that bad parenting thing that we all do at least once where we go, don't make one, two, <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> You know who's in charge when you're doing that, right? (laughs) Yeah, they are. (laughs) It's basically the Holy Spirit's version of that. That's where your fear should be placed. And your trust and your hope and your peace and your love should be placed in the same person. Because it's a reminder that the discipline is not for a punishment. It is for love and encouragement and building up and pruning away the stains and problems that this world provides. So that I will enter into a kingdom prepared and fit for that kingdom. So, you just get a bunch of angels together to go bowling, right? No, there's, there, I don't think there's an angelic bowling team. Instead, they're there for a reason. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold. What do you do whenever you hear behold? Something important is coming. If, I, if, I, if I've taught you nothing, I've got that in there at least. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will, which will be for all the people. That's the precursor of the gospel. That's the testimony of who this child is and what he will do. 1 John 4, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
1 Peter 1 gives you the other end of that ministry. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This angel is here because Christ is here. And because Christ is here, salvation is here. This is what Christ accomplishes. This is what he does. Our saving God is saving sinners. He was doing it then. He's doing it now. And he's going to be doing it until that Revelation 19 reality comes to pass. By the way, as promised. As promised. That's why the language is what it is. Genesis 12. I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, the promised Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Which will be joy for which of the people? God has not forgotten what he said previously. It is together and built up. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's a pretty good summary right there. Because the expectation is that you should know a little bit about all of this part. That's a declaration of who he is and what he's going to be doing. The, uh, the thesis of, of Luke's gospel will come several chapters later in chapter 19. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And always remember this, Christian. Always remember this. Don't fall into the trap of the world because this is the trap that they want to lay for you. Because if you fall in it, you'll try to drag other people into it. Jesus doesn't come because you have some weird shaped hole in your heart. If you do, there's surgeries for that. Get that fixed, Okay. This is not some wish fulfillment. This is not so you can live your best life now. This is not so you can be a better person. This is so that you can be saved from sin. That's your problem. That's the cure that is being brought. Now, by the way, is there anything wrong with you being a better person? No. Is there anything wrong with you functionally trying to live a good life? No. But... When you make those things the, the, the accomplishment of the gospel, you cheapen God's work. And when you cheapen God's work in such a way, you live in a fallacy. And the world and the enemy like nothing better than for you to just barely miss the mark, just a little bit. Because if you just miss it a little bit right now, while the nice pathway goes this way, what do you do? And you won't realize it today and you won't realize it tomorrow, but this is why... The church, especially in the Western world, looks like what it looks like. Why does the why is the church in Europe basically surrendered to every bit of culture? I mean, the the, the the Christian church in Europe it was literally Christendom. We named it, we gave it a name because it was a Christian kingdom upon the earth. What happened? Heresy, worldliness, bad theology. Surrender at every turn. And after a while, if you surrender enough things just a little bit, you know what you're eventually left with over the decades and centuries? Nothing. Some amalgamation, something that you have concocted that is meaningless. What has been the history of the church on this side of the ocean in the Western culture? We surrender a little bit here, surrender a little bit there, a little bit more and a little bit more. And then it's like, look, look, we have, we have nothing. Where'd it go? It never went anywhere. It's always been confirmed in Scripture. That's why I tell you to have a Bible verse. Always. That's why the terminology. In the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ, Messiah, Anointed One, Savior, God in flesh. John 6, He's the bread of life. John 8, light of the world. John 10, He is the gate. 
John 10 again, he is the good shepherd. John 11, the resurrection and the life. John 14, the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, the vine. I've left something out of all those verses. What was it? Who knows their Bible trivia really well? No, no, no. When I say, these are all statements by Jesus claiming who he is. When I say he's the bread of life, how did Jesus say it? Mm-hmm. Why? It's a declaration of who he is. God in flesh. Who can save you? Only God. By what power will you be held? Only through God. Who will bring you into his kingdom, blameless with great joy? Only God. When you surrender parts of that, you surrender all of that. You lose the impact against the world. You lose the ability to deal with the world on a proper footing. You don't want to climb off of the solid rock and onto the sinking sand to fight. You know what happens when you do that? Yeah, amazingly enough, we fight long enough, listen, it's like, how did I get up to my neck? What, what has gone wrong here? You know what you do? You stay on the rock. And if you want to keep fighting from the sinking sand, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to win. I'm going to win because you're going to sink and I'm not. And that's typically a good little victory. This is what we have to remember. Sometimes our greatest accomplishment is just standing still. Just being firm, not surrendering to the world. And it's tempting. We're going to dive in. We're going to fight this. We're going to fight that. No, no, no. Has the psalm remind you? Be still and know that I am God. Rest upon the rock. Rest upon the accomplishment. John 8. They sa- then he said to them again, I go away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. I love the New Testament. Everyone who Jesus is talking to is an expert in missing the point. And he was saying to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who is he again? Savior, Messiah, God, the one who is and was and is to come. So, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, oh, pause right there. That's an unknown number, a multitude of the heavenly host. We do actually get some technical information out of the New Testament. Um, Whenever you see a myriad, that's not just like a number that's been thrown out there for fun. It's also not the misspelling of pyramid. It is an actual number. It's a thousand. So myriads and myriads is thousands and thousands. It's like when you were a kid and you couldn't count any high. What did you do? To infinity. This is the Greek version of infinity. When you know Luke, when Luke's here, and it's one, two. It's a lot. It's a whole bunch. Whole bunch. That's what a multitude is. We don't even know. Now, by the way, how many angels do you need? I mean, in all seriousness, go have fun in your Old Testament. How many angels does it take to rain fire and brimstone and turn Sodom and Gomorrah into, you know, nothing? That, that was two, right? Um, How many angels did it take to kill 185,000 Assyrians on behalf of of Judah? That was was one. This is cool. (laughs) One angel shows up in your Bible, and what does everybody do? (laughs) That's a technical term. That's the actual sound that you make when you... Now the sky is full of them. Doing what? Doing what they do. 
doing what they do. Revelation chapter 5. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads. There's your thousands and thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Fast forward to Revelation 7. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is what angels do. This is who they are. So what should come next? These angels have arrived. They're saying what? Better be some praises going on here, right? All right, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is blessed. That's salvation. I'm sorry, I did say blessed, didn't I? I'm sorry, thank you. Please, leave it to my kids. (laughs) Peace among men with whom he is pleased. Sorry, I can almost read. That's salvation. This is what the rest of the New Testament is going to be explaining and building up on. Ephesians 2. Now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. 2 Corinthians 5. All these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This is what he has accomplished. He has brought his enemies into his kingdom. What happens when you do that over time? Like, what happens when you're on this side of the war, and they're on that side of the war, and then today you decide to let 10 of their guys live in your city? And then tomorrow you let 10 more live in your city, and then you do this every day for two, three years. What eventually happens? All the bad guys are now where? (laughs) They're on this side, and what happens when we now go to battle? This is actually one of those fun little notes of history. Um... You can actually see this in the history of the Roman Empire. The Romans did this because what the uh, the Roman Republic was originally founded on, the reason why Roman soldiers fought so well is it was typically a way to get into the next class of citizenry. You would be, and when your term as soldier was up, because they worked you like a dog as a soldier in the Roman army, but when your term was up, you would be given land and you would be able to farm, and to have land was to have authority and a vote on things, and you would be granted prosperity. Well, if the rich guys who own all the land don't want to keep giving land to the soldiers, then we got to come up with a different deal. Well, if for generations upon generations all the people got that deal, and now the deal isn't as good, who's going to do it? Nobody. But now the Roman Republic isn't just you know the small little boot in Italy. Now it's like that entire map over there, plus. So we're having fewer soldiers because we're not giving them as good of a deal but we have more territory to defend and more enemies because we kept annoying people and when we didn't you know kill them all when we conquered their country so what do we do we hire people to join the army and we pay them a wage and so they hired the goths and the gauls and they hired the middle eastern nomads who were on horseback and after a while as you continue to go war against these people 
Well, that's that's Cousin Joe over there. I don't want to fight Cousin Joe. I'll be on your side. Come on. We'll, we'll, come on. The, the way around the gate is over here. Come here. I'll show you how to get in. <laughs> Half the army was fighting for the enemy. This is what God does. He brings the enemy inside the gate. This would be a terrible plan if you were you and I were me. Luckily, he is neither. Because before he brings us in, he changes our hearts, changes our minds, and makes us no longer enemies, but sons and daughters of the king. We are now his. We have a new perspective on life. We have a new mission in this world. We have a redeemed heart, soul, mind, mission, everything you could possibly imagine based upon what? Based upon his amazing grace. What we were due, we have not received. What we have received, we should never have gotten. And yet in his gracious love, he has answered the hope of the nations by providing us a joy in Christ, granting us peace in his kingdom because of all the work that he has done. This incarnation at Christmas is the beginning of that work. It ends at that cross. Well, not that one, but you know my point. And it ends ultimately with a kingdom ruled by God where he reigns over all of his creation and all of our sin, all of our iniquity is cast away. That's the reminder that we should have, not just today, but each and every day. And I won't spoil you with, you know, keep the reason for the season, no. Keep Christ in your hearts each and every day because it is the work that he has done and it is the work that he has pushed us forward into his kingdom. Let's pray.